attention as the Lord directs us. We are speaking on the subject, understanding the mystery of God. Understanding the mystery of God. And this is something that, because many have not understood, have made a shipwreck of their faith. Hallelujah. And um, let me read the scripture and then we will pray. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. For I, went, I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged. They knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we have come this evening because we want to know you. We want to understand you. We want you to be revealed to us that, Lord, we will serve you in the best way we ought to serve you to the very end. Give us this understanding and cause our hearts not just to hear, but to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Understanding the mystery of God. A few years ago, I was with some leaders at the function at the, the late Gamanches Palace. Uh, Dr. Blankson at a, at a, what do you call it, Carnation. And when we finished what we were supposed to do, we were supposed to, the, 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 the priest, the, 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 the chief asked one of their elders to, to pray. And he decided to do a traditional prayer by pouring libation. And incidentally, I was with somebody that I thought was very spiritual. I mean, I say so with, with, with not that, because I looked at his position in, in church hierarchy. And I thought that where he was standing, uh, I could look at him. But as the man started pouring the libation, I saw that he was also clapping and stamping his feet. And saying, yo, yo, all the things that they were doing, the rituals that they were you are so much involved. I left the meeting very sad because I found out that his personal understanding of the God we serve was not the same God that um, those people served. Because we, when we say we are serving Jesus, we are serving the Lord God, we are serving the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Colossians chapter 1 tells us. Verse 3 says, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praying always for you. So when we say we are praying, we are not praying to this kind of thing. Because, you know, there's a big difference. Many times, out of respect, people in society, politicians or social people, 
So we are all serving the same God. It's the same thing. It doesn't make any difference. When you have a revelation of your understanding of the mystery, it has to change your perspective. It doesn't mean you should hate people, but you must have a clear picture that it's not the same. The, bra- the person who bows five times or six times or seven times, or the one who looks at the, uh, at the ocean to do rituals, the one who calls the saints, and the one who bows to a tree, the one who goes to a river to best eggs and do all the things, you and them are not serving the same God. So if it's in your mind that you are serving the same God, when you understand the mystery of the God we serve, you know why it's not the same. Hallelujah. And that is why it's important for us to know, I said, this is the fundamental of our faith. And it's also sad that many people start well in their faith, and sometimes even they become ministers. And they, at the older part of their lives, or middle part of their lives, they make decisions that they themselves don't really think through. I've seen ministers who will tell you, oh, I've just been made a chief in my village. And they, 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 they make it seem very normal. Because, you see, the God of the traditional religion is not the God of Christianity. The God of the traditional religion is, uh, uh, I'll say, in English we'll say, I don't want to use many big words, but I have to, because for it to be clear to you, is the God of polytheism. It means many gods. Poly means many, many. So the God of traditional religion is God of many gods. God is many, is manifest in many. So if you live by a tree, your hometown people were going to, uh, when they were going to settle in the war, they had a tree or an, a chief or somebody died by a certain tree and they did certain things and something happened, they begin to idolize the place. You go to Cape Coast Castle, you see some of them there, they have made altars over there. Now, those, the, the, the premise of all those things that this is a grove, is for special occasions and uh, they, 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 they do special things, they believe in certain things, is based on the fact that those um, creations of God are in themselves God. Hallelujah. So the God we serve is not that kind of God. It's very important that we note the differences. Hallelujah. Otherwise, sometimes we mix it up because maybe a pastor or somebody who you respect, even a clergyman. I have been at a program, I remember one time we were at the Kofi Annan Center, we were having a problem when this hijab issue came about Muslims and Christians and the wearing of the hijab, and one priest was there, one senior, very senior most priest in one of the big denominations, and he was very proudly saying, oh, me, I'm mastered in all the rituals of the traditional religion. I can even conjure, and I can do this. And I looked, as I listened to him, I, my heart was aching, because I knew that he was misleading the people. Because it's not the same. If you have mastered in that, then you are not serving the God of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Because we can't serve him if our yes is yes, our no is no. I mean, we can leave, we, we, we may speak to them, they may not listen, but it doesn't mean that we hate them, but we need to tell the truth. Hallelujah. We need to serve, that, like uh, the Elijah said, if God be God, serve him. The God that we, we, we serve, he's one of, if we understand him, 
we're going to understand that he's a jealous God and he calls for loyalty. He doesn't believe in double um, form of loyalty, where uh, duality, where we are here and we are there. Hallelujah. So it's very important to get this in perspective. You know, when you hear that a pastor has been, um, um, been made a priest, or he has now been uh, ushered into the Freemasonry, or maybe um, a spiritual movement of a sort, which contradicts the faith that we have. I've read and seen people who belong to all kinds of um, secret societies, and they would be proud that, oh, I'm a priest, but I also belong to this group, which is also, uh, also serving God in another way. I pray that none of us will get caught in that. Sometimes you meet somebody who says, oh, uh, that if you're a Christian, there is nothing wrong with being uh, involved in maybe yoga or transcendental meditation and all of that. You, don't, you speak out of ignorance. Because yoga and transcendental meditation is based on uh, uh, Buddhism, and Buddhism fundamentally is about many gods, the worship of many gods, and the practices that they have in terms of the, the, the yoga and the spirit and the soul and the body and the transitions that people go through when they go through the, the experiences are totally different from what the Christian goes through. So we cannot say that, oh, um, I, I'm a Christian, but I also accept this side. So we have a group in America and other parts of the world, so Christian people who practice yoga. It cannot be. Christian cannot practice yoga because Christian does not believe in multiple gods. Hallelujah. Christian believes that Jesus Christ is God. Hallelujah. And we need to get our position very clear. And we'll go through some of the scriptures to explain some of these things as we get along. Hallelujah. Now, another very important thing is that when it comes to understanding the, the mystery of God, as we just read in chapter 2 of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 2 says that, that your hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love and attaining unto riches, all riches in the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of the Christ. Praise the Lord. What it means is that the knowledge of the mystery of God is progressive. There is a fundamental knowledge of the mystery. Every child of God who has met Jesus Christ has a basic knowledge of that mystery. The mystery has been unfolded. It's no longer a mystery to you and I, the fact that God sent Jesus Christ, God came in the flesh, First Timothy 3.16. God came in the flesh, died, resurrected. That is the first level of our mystery, understanding the mystery. Hallelujah. That God in the flesh, human flesh, dying, submitting himself, and then resurrecting, and then going to glory and preparing his church for eternity. That is the very basic level of the whole mystery that we are talking about. But beyond that, that's why it says that increasing in understanding. And when you read Ephesians, you also see a similar statement there. So when Paul also saw, heard about the, the faith of the Ephesians in chapter 1, he said, when I heard about your faith, I pray that God will give you spiritual understanding. It means that even though we have received understanding to the mystery, as we progress in him, we will understand better that mystery. Hallelujah. More dimensions of this mystery are unfolded to us. The bigger picture is that God has come to mankind through Jesus Christ, has died, 
and we are saved. As a result of it, our sins are dealt with. As a result of it, we are reconciled to God. As a result of it, we are living in hope that one day we'll be joined fully with the Lord. Hallelujah. As a result of it, we are able to reconcile with Him when we sin. When we, 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 if, if, we, if we make a mistake or we err, according to John, he, 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 we confess our sins. He's able to forgive us. That is the mystery that has been, the part of the mystery that has been unfolded. But there are other dimensions of the mystery which even though you are a believer, unless you avail yourself, unless we, we apply our heart to a certain level of understanding and to a certain level of commitment to seeking for God and seeking God, you may not get to that level. Hallelujah. And you see, you cannot, you cannot connect properly to God if you do, your level of understanding of this mystery is very low. Praise the Lord. When your level of understanding of the mystery is high, it, uh, it affects the way you're able to relate to God. And it affects the way you're able to also draw other people to God. Praise the Lord. That is how Apostle Paul, when he entered the city of Athens and he saw all their things in Acts chapter 7, the Bible talks about the fact that as he entered, he saw their, their, their inscriptions written to the unknown God. And immediately his heart was moved. When you have a revelation of this God, an understanding of God, when you see people who are wallowing and getting strained, straight and going off the faith, you feel it. You know it. And you are able, because you have the revelation, you have become a, tra- a channel of light. And you are able to, you know, bring across the truth. So when you read the book of Acts in chapter 17, it's one of the passages that strongly brings out the reality of God and who He is in, 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 within the context of the New Testament. Hallelujah. There was no confusion at all in the mind of, in the heart, in the mind of Apostle Paul, because he himself had had that revelation. And the reason why many of us are not able to communicate effectively this revelation is because we don't often, many people, after being born again, are not able to get the fullness of the measure of the faith. May God help you and I tonight to get the fullness of the measure of the faith. Say amen. So that when you go anywhere and people are saying, oh, it's the same God. You don't get uh, easily deceived. Oh, that, oh, this clergyman or that pl- person who, uh, who was our president in Scripture Union or in the fellowship or in this group. Oh, this pastor even says that, oh, this thing is not bad. It's also okay for Christians. And you say that, no, he is not God. Hallelujah. He is just a man. And he can, uh, he can go wrong. And many people have gone wrong by following people. Just because they, they themselves did not seek what God has written in His Word. Say Amen. You know, there's something about the progressive understanding. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, that, verse 22, He says that there is nothing hidden that will not be known. If you want to understand God, God is always ready to reveal Himself to you. Hallelujah. You know, this, this, script, this statement it has two dimensions. In other parts where Jesus quoted this, he was talking about when we ha- do something bad or we do something wrong, it's, 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 um, it, it will be um, revealed on the last day. But in this context of Mark chapter 4, he was not talking about that. He had given a parable to the disciples. And the disciples were questioning him about it, the parable of Soa. And in trying to explain the parable, he said to them that if you want to understand spiritual things, 
they will always be understanding. God is willing to give you spiritual understanding. Hallelujah. So if you are confused about anything you read in the scriptures, don't just decide or follow somebody just because of following sake. Make sure that you call upon the Lord. And when you call upon the Lord, even if your pastor explains and you are not happy, you are not clear about it, Jesus said, there is nothing hidden that will not be known. When we, he shines a light, he says that a light is, hit, is, is placed so that men can see, men can, can under, read and understand. Hallelujah. So, to explain this further, I want to look at the subject from two dimensions. The number one area we're going to be looking at is the nature of God. And then number two, how do men connect to God? First is, how, who is God? That's the nature of God. Who is God? What is his relationship with his creation? Then having understood God and his relationship with his creation and his attributes with his creation, then we deal with the second part, which is really the application. How do we get into God? How do we relate to God as human beings, as a creation of God? How do we best relate to God? Let me say that Jesus made a very fundamental statement. And he also channeled the same statement through John. In John chapter 14, verse 7 to 11. And he said that you can... John 14, 7 to 11. John chapter 14. Not first John. John, I didn't say first John. Okay, let me read it. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, who has, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Hallelujah. Here I believe Jesus was making a very strong statement that in terms of nature, in terms of who God is, whatever we saw or they saw in him was a representation of the nature of God. He wasn't saying that God has two eyes, two ears, 
He has a hair, a, a, a lot of hair. He has hands. He has legs and all of that. He was just saying that the nature of God, the character of God, the values of God, who He is in terms of His supremacy and all of that, is manifest through Him. Hallelujah. And Jesus further, when He was dealing with the same in the book of John, talking to the woman of Samaria, said that God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, this brings up a very important dimension. If God is spirit and we are human beings, it's difficult for us to grasp God with our eyes, with our ears, with all our understanding, with our intellect. Hallelujah. That is why we need an intermediary. Spiritual realm, the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to deal with our spirits. And that's what Apostle Paul, the revelation he got in First Corinthians chapter 2. When he says, if we, are, if we are carnal, we cannot absorb spiritual things. That is why our whole perception of life, when it comes to the subject of knowing God, they that are in the flesh, the Bible says, cannot please God. When it comes to understanding who God is, the nature of God, let us begin by understanding that because God is spirit, and it, it calls for spirituality in terms of understanding, we have to be spiritual before we can appreciate the understanding of God. Now, spirituality also doesn't, it's not the same as mysticism. Now, there are a lot of people who have been equating mysticism to spirituality. spiritual. spiritual. There are people that are involved in mysticism, like occultists, those who call saints. They are involved in mysticism, some form of spirituality, some hidden, you don't understand. But when the scripture, the Christian says something is spiritual, we are saying that, number one, God, through the Holy Spirit, dealing with our spirit man. It's basic, simple explanation. God, through the Holy Spirit, dealing with our spirit man, and relating, that's all. It's not mysticism. Mysticism is things that are hidden, woodious, things that are not cannot be explained. When it comes to Christian spirituality, it can somehow be explained, especially when faith comes into the picture. Hallelujah. It is explained by faith. It's believed, it's accepted by faith. But mysticism you can, mysticism is, is surrounded by fear, intimidation, trepidation. So that's why when you, people go to Juju Man, you don't, you, it's not faith, it's mysticism. You are afraid of the Juju Man. What he will do to you? All this Antoine and all these things, people are afraid of them. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, whether they kill or they do anything, we don't know. But we are afraid. But Christian spirituality is not bound out of fear. It's born out of faith. It's born out of love. Spiritu our spirituality is born out of love. When we say the spiritual man, we're talking about the fruit of the spirit. The nature of God is manifest in a person who is spiritual. And a person who can connect to God and understand God is a person who is spiritual. Hallelujah. Who thinks like God, behaves like God. Then we have a common family. We, we have a common bond. It's not intimidation that will change our understanding of God. Hallelujah. So, 
The first thing we need to understand is that God is spirit. Jesus said it, John 4, 23, 24. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. It means that the facilitation of our faith is by truth. The second thing we need to understand is that God existed before creation. The nature of God. In John 1, 1, in him was the word. The word was God. And the word was of God. Hallelujah. And this same statement is put another way. In the beginning, God. In Genesis 1, 1. And that God there, as we would want to go further, it says, let us make man in our own image. And let us, let there be light and all of those things. We don't go into all so much theology. But we understand that he was talking about God, the triune God. Hallelujah. Now, this God that we serve, who is different from the God of the idol worshiper or any other religious movement, is a God, the Father, is God the Spirit, and God the Son. Praise the Lord. I just read to you what Jesus said, saying that if you have seen the Father, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Praise the Lord. And the same God is what we are talking about when we talk about God. And the Lord is that spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, the same one God, the kind of God we are serving. And so somebody will say, oh, but how come? So when Jesus was here, where was the Father? And where was the Holy Spirit? Hallelujah. Praise God. It's something that from time to time, we hear people ask and say, ah, if we say that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is one, why is it so? And people have tried to use all kinds of illustrations. I'm going to say, oh, uh, if you have um, water, you have air, you have ice cube, there, at one point in time it's ice water, sometimes it's uh, ice cube. No, it's not like that. Hallelujah. Amen. The simple way I'll say is that we... Accept, you see, it's, a, it's, an, it's an issue of faith, first and foremost. It's an issue of faith. It's also an issue of nature. Jesus did not deny that he had a father. He did not deny that there was a father. But he also didn't deny that he was God. And it takes faith to accept that these two go together. And it also takes faith... To accept that on the baptism of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. So it means that we are not going to spend time to go into the dynamics of, oh, trying to create illustrations which don't match. When we do that, like say, oh, God is sometimes ice water, sometimes it's ice cube, and sometimes it's air. When you do that, what you are doing is you are... Going into a, a dimension of faith, or of religion, which um, I'll come to in a short while. We call it uh, 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 pantheism. Where you are saying that God is part of his creation. God is not like that. Hallelujah. Okay, let me finish this. The second, the th- third or fourth thing about the nature of God is that God was manifested to men 
through the word. And we've said that in John 1, 12. Now, this also is another aspect that we need to understand. A person cannot understand God when he doesn't understand the written word of God, the spoken word of God, and the living word of God, who is Christ Jesus. You will never be able to fully comprehend God as a child of God when you don't have an appetite for his word which is spoken, for his word which is alive in Christ, and for his word which is written. Because what is written is what is spoken. Hallelujah. And the word, John says, and the word was manifest. It became flesh and dwelt amongst men. So if a person denies the word, the living, the, 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 the spoken word, the person is denying the living word. Amen. It's very important. That is why we tell people that study the word of God. Not just for the sake of doing warfare and when you are in trouble, showing it to your enemies. But it brings alive the nature of God in you. Say amen. The more of the word that you get into yourself, the more you manifest the nature of God. Praise God. So, the word that the God we serve is manifest through the word of God. Now, in terms of his relationship with us as human beings or his creation, there are two important words which um, I have no choice but have to explain. Because if I don't use those words, it will be difficult to explain. So allow me to. It may sound big, it's not too big. One of them is called immanence. I-M-M-A-N-E-N-C-E. It's very important for the believer to understand this word immanence. And then the other word is called transcendence. When you finish, you can go and study more about it. Transcendence means T-R-A-N-S-C-E-D-E-N-C-E. T-R-A-N-S-C-E-D-E-N-C-E. They are simple meanings. Let me put it this way. Immanence means that we believers, we know that God is manifest in His creation. One of the earliest scriptures I learned when I became a believer was 17 of Acts, verse 28. When Paul was preaching to those people who were unbelievers, who were idolatrous people, he said, for it is in Him we live and move and have our being. Now, why was Paul preaching that sermon? Because you know, those people, they believed that the, the stones were God. The river was a God. The tree was God. And so they wrote to the unknown God. Anywhere, they are, in India, the, the cows, the bulls, they don't touch the animals. The bulls in particular, they idolize this. They are sacred. And they don't kill because they believe that when human beings die, they reincarnate. And if you, if you are in a caste system of the Indian system of religion, if you die, and you, if you do good, and you die, for example, if you are a, a president, like the president, his excellency president, and he, you don't perform well as a leader, when you die, you'll be downgraded. Maybe when you come again, you become a, a businessman or something else. And if you don't, you, you, you come again, you die, and you don't perform, you go to another class until you become maybe a laborer or some grassroots person. 
and then if you don't perform there and you die, you become an animal. And if you don't perform there, the animals too, they have graves. <laughs> so you may one day become an ant so everybody can step on you. So don't touch any animal so that it may be you or your grandfather who has died and come. Hallelujah. You see how blessed you are as a believer. You are laughing. But that's what, so Paul was preaching to people in Athens and telling them that, look, in him we live and move and have our being. God, when God is manifest in creation, it is this teaching that those Indians have taken into a different realm. That, okay, God is manifest in our creation, but then it means all creation is God. But when we say immanence, we say that God is manifest. Like we say, Emmanuel, God with us. We know that God doesn't leave us as human beings alone. He is actively involved in the lives of humanity. He is involved in governance. He is involved in our church life. He is involved in our family life. He is involved in our, our, our minute area, every aspect of our life. What can we do without the Lord? Somebody wrote a song saying, If it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would it be? Hallelujah. So through it all, according to Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, through every stage and every experience of life, we know that this God is active. He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. So the God we serve is actively present in our everyday lives. That is why you cannot be sorrowful. That is why you cannot be depressed. That is why you cannot, you cannot be, be mournful. Because He's your very present help in your time of need. We don't have a distant God that we, even if the pastor is not there, the priest is not there, you can reach Him. Hallelujah. That is the difference. That is what we call the immanence of God. But when you are t- dealing with the transcendence of God, we are saying that, according to Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, it says, his, far, his thoughts are not our thoughts, neither his ways are ways. He says, as far as the earth is from heaven, so are his from us. We can't imagine God. It's true. When we look at the mountain, when we look at the things, we, 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 we try to uh, put God in a box. It doesn't work. That is why sometimes we will do all things right, but things they change. Sometimes you do all things wrong and suddenly God, out of his excessive compassion, will just surprise us all. That we call a miracle. Hallelujah. So God, in his own nature, cannot be boxed in the brain of a human that he has created. So then we say, he has, he has crossed, transcendence he has crossed the imagination of man. He has Cross, when you trans, when you say transatlantic, you cross an Atlantic Ocean. Transpacific means you cross. So the, he, has, he has crossed our thought pattern. Because he created us. He created our thoughts. And he will not be boxed into our way of thinking. The way our tradition is. Hallelujah. Even our, when he gives us an opportunity, for example, even to enter into heaven, we, or to, to see the revelations of the Spirit, he is still... God. It's not everything that we all see or we may see. Hallelujah. If we ever have a chance to even encounter 
Christ, as an individual believer, notes that you may not see everything there is about God. So it shows you that God transcends your imagination. Many times we will even interpret what we see and experience within the context of our culture, our people that we have seen, and all of that. That's why many times, even when people come and say, oh, I had a revelation about the Lord, and so and so and so. You see, a lot of times, they even mention people they know. But you know that there have been people who have died many, many thousands, millions of years, hundreds of years, that they never knew. They would not have, their imagination would not have captured them. But for you and I to be able to relate to what they are saying, they have to say, talk about people they know that you can relate to. If it's about uh, somebody in America, they will talk about culture and an experience. I remember one day, I was reading something on the net, and somebody was asking about, what's awful? Are we going to see our pets in heaven? <laughs> and, and, and people are serious about it in, the, in places like America. Pets. See, and, but it's sad, you see, because does the dog have a soul to accept Jesus or not? <laughs> are you getting the point there? Because if the requirement is for you to see Jesus as your Lord, does the, when did the dog receive Jesus? Are you getting the point there? So I don't know whether in the spiritual realm God has another remedy for them. I haven't seen anything in the scriptures that tells me that lions and cats and dogs and uh, uh, alligators are also welcome. Amen. Anyway, that's on the side there. So for you to appreciate God, you need to know that He lives with us. But he's also living beyond our imagination. In other words, that's why we need the element of faith and the word of God to be able to link up. There is a gap between what our minds know, what our imagination know, what we even perceive in the spirit, and who God is in totality. Our knowledge of him is, is progressive. Say amen. So, in order not to confuse us, I told you earlier on, there are people who say that, oh, God's creation in I one. Uh, look, the sea is God. The river is our God. All these things, please, don't get into that. The God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is not sea. Neither is sea forest, a grove. Hallelujah. You see, this, as for this, this place, the real, God is real there. It's not there. Hallelujah. Then some other people say that, you are God. People like Oprah Winfrey. God is not, they say, oh, God is not in, in, in the spirit realm. There's nothing like spirit realm. Everything is in your mind. Many scientists believe that, including some of these social people, like Oprah Winfrey, who say, you are God. Everybody is God. Your mind tells you who God is. So say, let God, it's called deism. D-E-I-S-M. That everybody is God. God is not outside of your imagination. Anywhere, if your imagination can't accept God, God doesn't exist. So they have cut out faith. But you see, the psalmist describes them in Psalm 24. Amen. Should I say it? What does the scripture say? Oh, you show us. No, not Psalm 24. I wonder who says that the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. Psalm 124, was it? 
50, 50 what? 3, verse 1, the first verse. Give us the first, the first verse. Oh. They're fools. Everybody say it. Oh. You are not insulting anybody. Just let's say it boldly. <laughs> Don't feel bad. This is scripture. Amen. Okay, let's read it together. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and have. Hallelujah. So if it's only a person like that who will say there's no God. So if you say that oh, God is me, God is you, everybody is God, I don't think so. There is enough evidence, even with logic, and we won't have time to go over that, the logical side. And I've already spoken to you, you see, about the fact that many other people believe that every little thing is God. Thinking that the tree is God, this is God, all of the, And the fact that you think that way, as well as think about the God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, doesn't change the scripture. That's one mistake a lot of people make. People think that, oh, as for you people can think that way, but me, as for me, that's how I think. Your thinking differently about who God is, is not going to change who God is. If I even think differently, if my, my mother, my father, my grandfather, the chief in your village, think that, oh, we can go to the shrine room and worship the idols, and still can, that's for you church people, you are too, these Pentecostal people, you are too hard. When we go to these other places, even the pastors understand. It won't change, if the pastors understand, the bishop understand, the archbishop understand, it won't change who God is. Hallelujah. So, let's not deceive ourselves. The fact that somebody that we people revere in society. It can be a president or anybody. Say, oh, all religions, we are all doing the same thing. Let's not, don't worry. Don't criticize. It's, 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 in fact, in America, they say it's hate speech. And you get jailed for saying that people may go to, people may go to hell if they don't repent. They don't understand it. And because of that, many preachers and many churches have Found ways to adapt to it. But it won't change the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Numbers 23 verse 19, the scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. So, we can't say that men, human beings are God. What Oprah Winfrey and others are teaching on, on the, online and on TV, and some preachers identify with, it cannot be. It doesn't matter who, which famous preacher Supports her or doesn't support her. It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not right. I think it's very important in the time in which we live to know who we believe. Amen. God that we serve has attributes. There are many, many great attributes of God, but let me just do a few. We call them, we classify his attributes into two. We have his moral attributes and we have his greatness attributes. When we're talking about his greatness attributes, we're talking about things like his omnipotence, which means he's all-powerful. Omnipresence, which means he's everywhere present at the same time. When we say he's omniscient, it means he knows all things. Hallelujah. When you say he's sovereign, 
That means he has a final word on all matters. He chooses to do what he likes. Sometimes even the, the very theology that we believe we know, he confounds us. He did it with the birth of Christ, the genealogy of Christ. The other time I was talking about the sons of Jacob. In his own discretion, why he chose Judah, the murderer, and uh, 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 to be the one that he will bless in this way, I don't, we can't get it. But in his sovereignty, he does things. Why he chose Jacob over Esau, right from the womb, we don't understand. Why he chose Jeremiah, we don't understand. So you see that in his greatness, he, he's sovereign. He shows it in many parts of the scriptures. That he does what he wants to do in his own time. And the scripture in fact adds that in, in Ecclesiastes, he makes all things beautiful in his time. It's part of his sovereignty. In his time. So you may want it now. You may want it next week. He says, no, I'll do it next year. You may want it next year. He says, I'll do it now. He, we, 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 we wish we could always manipulate God and have him our own way. But he's sovereign. He rules in the affairs of men the way he wants it. No, he, he, he can't question him. Even though, as much, oftentimes, we may see him manifesting in, in his glory in a, a certain frequent way. That we say, oh, he's faithful. Yes. But truly, 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 God is sovereign. In the midst of all the fact that, oh, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, he says. In the midst of all the things he says, that, oh, I'll bless the righteous. Sometimes he can choose to even take an unrighteous person and confound even the righteous. So he calls Cyrus, his anointed. Who is Cyrus? A heathen king. Who nobody, in our, if he was today, our, a king today, we, I don't know how he is, maybe a, his, his, his forefather of uh, Saddam Hussein. Yeah, he came from the same area as Saddam Hussein, so we could say so. And if they worship idols, in big rooms, they had idol, all kinds of things going on in their halls of worship. They killed human beings. They gave human beings to lions. They were wicked. But why God chose Cyrus and called him, called him anointed and even prophesied about him even before he was born? I don't understand. But there were good people that could have been prophesied about. But in his sovereignty, he chose a man. A cruel man like that. And made him and said, my anointed. So the God we are serving is sovereign. And when we, you see, why, why is this necessary in our faith? I'll explain this. It makes us humble and cautious in dealing with him. And it makes us accept his will. Sometimes, the way that, even when it comes to the issue of life and death, when we do, why do good people die and bad people live sometimes? Sometimes you go to, you hear about countries. You know, the country that has the longest, oldest people is Japan. You see 95 and the person is still walking and driving. And there are many people who speak in tongues and pray a lot and fast here. And they are 40, they are 30. And sometimes they die. Recently, about a year or two ago, a young man from uh, KUST. One who became a pastor, passionate. He even came here for a wedding once. And within less than a year, young pastor, zealous, having a lot of influence, had a church somewhere, I think, a sprinter's rule somewhere. 
Very dynamic young man. Before we could say Jack, I just picture him. I still see him around here. He's gone. And there are old men who are sitting in shrine rooms and doing, or, 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 or monks in China. And they are still chanting. They are not dead. <laughs> it operates within the sovereignty of God. If it was me, I'll say that all the good guys should live and all the bad guys should go. But God doesn't do it that way in his sovereignty. Hallelujah. Amen. So you see the God we are serving, we are talking about the mis- understanding the mystery of God. And I'm saying that, beloved, it's important to know the God that we serve. And know that he's different from the gods that are in the world. Hallelujah. He's not the same as the way we frame him. He doesn't behave like us as human beings. And I'm making that very clear. And I'm saying that he's different from his creation. He made his creation. He's manifesting his glory in his creation. But he's bigger than the creation. He's not, in the, he's not the creation. He's not the tree. He's not the, 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 the sun. He's not the moon. You know, sometimes... You hear a Christian church, supposedly, and the pastor is emphasizing people should pray watching the moon in, at a, a particular time, 12 midnight or 2 a.m. That's when the moon, the angles, or the, 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 the what do you call it? The, 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 the solar system has to align a certain way because then God hears. Our God that we know, he says, by day, by night. He doesn't run his, his he is not a God of seasons. He doesn't appear by the summer and get vanished by the winter. It's not like that. Hallelujah. He is omnipotent. He told Abraham in Genesis 17:1, I am El Shaddai, I am God Almighty. When you read Psalm 66, verse 1. We know. Give me Psalm 66 verse 1. Yes. Make a joyful noise all the, all the earth. Go on. Sing out the honor of it. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. I think I was looking for. Give me First Kings 8.27. I want to put a different verse for that. First Kings 8.27. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less the temple which I have built. This is Solomon speaking. And he's saying that God is too big. And the heaven even. So some of us who imagine God sitting on just the throne is just a picture for us to know him. But God's occupancy of the, of the creation it's more than that great white throne. Hallelujah. That's basically what we mean by his omnipresence. That is why David said, when I go into the water, he is there. When I'm under the earth, he is there. That is why in the book of Jonah, the Bible says, whilst he was there, Jonah was in the belly of that animal, the, the whatever fish or whatever animal it was, in the ocean. He cried to God, and God heard him there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is omnipresent. 
He is omnipotent, all-powerful. Omniscient means he knows all things. Is there anything that the Lord does not know? Talking about his, I've talked about, I've talked about his sovereignty. Talking about his moral values, I want to run through quickly. We all know, I would want to emphasize these things. You hear them every time. We know God is holy. Isaiah 6 verse 3 tells us that when the, the, day that the, king, the year that King Isaiah died, he said he saw the Lord. And they were, the angels were singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Purity. Righteous. Jeremiah 23, 6. The Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah, Shekin. He's loving. God commended his love to us as in the world where yet sinners Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. He's loving. And his love transcends what we actually do. Hallelujah. It's loaded with mercy. It doesn't mean that he's also not just. In Acts 10, verse 34, when Peter was preaching to Cornelius' household, the Bible says, he said that God is no respecter of a truth. I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. That in everywhere in the world, where God, people call on him, he answers. Hallelujah. So God is just. He doesn't discriminate. It may take it may look like he's taking time on your case, but he has not forgotten you. Say amen. And somebody say, but doesn't God have favorites that falls within the purview of God's sovereignty? Amen. My God is just. So I ask myself, how do I then connect to this God who is so big, so powerful? So I shouldn't go through all his attributes. But just to get us that. If God is so great. So powerful. He has all these values. These moral things. that, And I want to reach him. How do I reach him? Let's look at Acts 17. Which Paul's sermon. Very powerful sermon. Very enlightened sermon. 17 verse 26. In his closing remarks. Um, it will help us. Equally in Colossians 1. 13 to 23. We see some under, get some understanding over there. In Acts 17, verse 26, it says, after this mention, um, talking to them about the idolatry and all of that, it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Hallelujah. So that's why we, he has, this comes again within his sovereignty. He determines everybody's appointed time and the limits of our lives. So don't ask, why do you make this one 50 years, this one 70 years, this one 80 years? You can take all, we, can, we do all the medications, we do all the prayers, we do all the confessions to fall within this time. Hallelujah. But we know that he has appointed all men for such times. And we should also not, we shouldn't wrestle with God. I know there are people who say, oh, hey, doesn't the, old, the, the, the book of Psalms say that, oh, he has uh, every, given us uh, three score and ten. And, 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 and all of that. Do you know that before the Psalms, people were living to be 120. 
Why don't we quote the 120? We like quoting the, that 70. We like the less one. God, the three score and ten, he came in after the law, after Mosaic law. But before, when the, the older men were dying, God said, oh, I'll keep 120. People were dying at 120 under the, 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 the pre Mosaic law. Abraham, then 175. Others, 137. I think Ishmael was 137. So why don't we long for the Abrahamic blessing? 175. Because according to Galatians uh, uh, 3, we also enjoy Abrahamic blessing. So if I were you, I'll go for the Abrahamic um, age also. Imagine how you'll be, 175. I don't know how your children and grandchildren, and then you are now having kids at 100, and you see how it will be. And you'll be taking them to uh, Morningstar and Christ uh, the King and others as a daddy or mommy, and imagine how it will be. It will be very nice, eh? Speech days and PTAs at 115 or 110. You'll be going on. And they'll say, Grandpa, so no, that's me, Daddy. <laughs> so some of these things, we need to be careful about them. Sometimes I think that we, the evangelical preachers, we have raised certain hoops. Now let's come to the scriptures. Amen. So the scripture says that, how do we connect to God? He has made boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him. So it means that we all have a duty to continually seek the Lord. It's not automatic that oh, you just get up, you are born, and you find Him. If you seek Him, according to Second uh, Chronicles, if we seek him, the eye of the Lord is moving to and fro. And as we seek him, he finds us or he find, we find him. He is not far from each one of us. Hallelujah. So he is really imminent. He is not far. He is around us. Working in his creation. He is around you. He is around me. So nobody can live in denial. So, sometimes when you are preaching to people, so what about all those people who never hear of God and they are there in India and there? Hey, he is not far from any one of us. If somebody is in uh, uh, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, anywhere, he says, I want the true and living God. One day, God will bring him close. Many times in their lives, God brings them close. One way or the other. Hallelujah. But sometimes it's difficult. You know, many years ago, we were speaking in tongues on Yahushua Park. Speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues. And a Pakistani diplomat, I remember him very well, wearing his long robe, living opposite Auntie Eunice's former home, walked all the way, came to the park, and I spoke to him myself. Said, I'm a Pakistani. I don't know whether it was Urdu or Punjabi or which of, the, of them. He said to me, to us, I, I am hearing you praising God in my language. I'm hearing you thanking God in my language. We have not learned His language. I don't know which of us was speaking the old or Punjabi. Hallelujah. But whatever it is, you see, he had a chance. But when he saw that we are Christian, he said, Church, quickly, his attitude changed. You see, but he could have said, Oh, I want to serve the God you people serve. So it says, everyone is near you. For in him we live 
and move and have our being. And also some of your poets have said, for we also, we are also his offspring. Hallelujah. You know, let me mention this because this credit, I also want to give it to one of my good friends, sister friends, uh, sister Mami. When I was in secondary school or university somewhere, she sent me a note. And this scripture, Acts 17, 28, she quoted it. And has ever since been in my heart. Hallelujah. And any time I quote it, I remember her. Beloved, as we are sending texts, WhatsApp, and all of those things, try and send scriptures which will remain in people. Look, it's 1980. We were were friends in 1980, 81. To date, it's how many years? Almost for 30, 30 something years. 36 years. And I still remember it. If we start sending scriptures, you see the power of the word. It has affected me for many years. And today I'm preaching with it. Amen. So you too, you can remember it. For it is him we live and move and have our being. Say amen. So, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. Something shaped by art and man's devices. That is why we must not engage in idolatry. We must not be worried about people who are always, those of us who are so obsessed with jewelry, that marks our, uh, our, 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 our signs of zodiac. Oh, you are going to buy jewelry. That's to be, I'm, I'm September born. And they said, good luck. All those things. Hallelujah. We ought not to think of divine nature like that, like gold, silver, or stone, something shaped by art and man's devices. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. This is our response to the nature of God. This is our response. This is what men have to connect to all that we have heard about God, about the, the, the attributes, about the nature of God. All the things we are saying will mean nothing to just be theology if you and I cannot appreciate that Jesus... Through Paul, is saying that today he has called all men to repent. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness. By the man, Jesus Christ, whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of, all, of this to all by raising him from the dead. Say Amen. When you go to Colossians chapter 1, you see another dimension of this message. Chapter 1 verse 13 is also another sermon about what we should do. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, the God, almighty God, the omnipotent God, has delivered us from the power of darkness. That's why you must, if the Almighty God has delivered, why are you afraid of your ancestors and afraid of uh, generational curses and afraid of all these things? Afraid of many things. Afraid of your future. When He's sovereign, He says, I know the plans I have for you. 
plans of good, not of evil, to give you a future and hope. You are safe in Him. He knows you. He's omniscient. So He knows you. He knows your, that your deep thoughts. He knew you. He told Jeremiah in chapter 1, 5, I knew you from your mother's womb because He's omniscient. Hallelujah. And that same God is the one who has broken the power of darkness over my life and over your life. Say amen. So he says, and convey us into the kingdom of the son of his love. In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. Many of us, when even we are forgiven, we are still not accepting the grace of God. If he, he says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. So he is not the creation. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth. Visible and invisible. That means that there are many things we don't see. And we shouldn't be worried about things we don't see. Because our Father sees. Hallelujah. And He's watching over us. So many of us are so worried too. I dreamt that this person dreamt that this. And I don't understand. And you, don't, you may not understand everything. But life must go on. Sometimes some people, some of us, some of you, when you come and tell a pastor your dream, and the pastor doesn't give the meaning in a certain way, then you are worried. Then you are looking for another pastor who will give you the meaning. Because the thing, the way it came, you want it visible and invisible. The God who you serve, He sees the visible and invisible. Let me tell you. Paul said, for we know in part, we prophesy in part. Even Apostle Paul. So if your pastor doesn't understand all your dreams, He's also a human being. Hallelujah. Don't be so worried. Don't be anxious. Then I must go to a prophet or a professor who understands all my dreams. Your pastor may not understand it, but you are dealing with the God who understands it all. He's omniscient. He knows it all. So I don't need, I don't need anybody else to understand all my dreams. Even the great apostle Paul. He says, so we know in part. We prophesy in part. First Corinthians 13 verse 9. So when, the, the, when the fullness comes, that which is incomplete to be done with. So if I don't, I don't have any shame, if you bring your dream to me, I'll tell you, that I will forge a meaning for you to create confusion in your family. I will force you to understand. Hallelujah. You know, this morning I had a meeting with a friend. And we're, as we're talking, his father just passed. And he was telling me that the day I went, his father was about to die, and I, he invited me to introduce the father to the Lord last week. And I went and I just spoke. The Lord put in my heart, John 1, 4. In him is life, and the life is the light of man. Hallelujah. And I spoke that word simply. And after speaking the word, I said, do you believe in the light of God? The light that comes to Jesus? I said, yes! I said, do you believe His blood is able to wash you from your sins? I said, yes! Then I said, confess this after me. That's what it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10. 
that I believe Jesus. I believe that he died for my sins. And he was out of his last energy. The man said all these things. So many times. And I prayed with him. When I finished praying, shortly, a young man came. And then the, my, my friend, he said, oh, it's, it's a, a prophet in a certain church. I'll mention the name. That is other, an uncle who is a very prominent Ghanaian. Insisted that that young man must come and pray for the man. And the young man had been praying. They came. And he said, the day before the man died, after no Sunday, the day before he died, the young man was going back to pray for the man. And then my friend said to him, oh, young man, you have, it's, it's okay. You've done all, you, you are in church. You just go to your church. He wanted to come before going to church. You know, I know what he was trying to do. So that if something happened, if the Lord had descended, then the big man will have mercy on him. To understand. And give him an offering. But... <laughs> I believe so. I may be wrong. God forgive me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but then, after all of that, to cut the long story short, the old man has gone. Sometimes, we preachers and all believers, many of us, we try to play God. Especially in these areas. You know, I think we're trying to make it like, them, they, because they have done you know, a certain kind of cycle of spiritual so-called prayers. It is an 80-something-year-old man. <laughs> you know, who has lived and has seen that the end has come and that's why they actually invite. But we were trying to do something. Hallelujah. Anyway. Ours is to introduce Jesus. The one that has life. And I did that. Visible and invisible. Things we see, things we don't see. You may not understand it all. Things we understand, things we don't understand. He understands. Hallelujah. Whether they be thrones, principalities or powers. Sometimes we think, oh, this one, locate this one, understand this one, understand all the spiritual dynamics. Whether you understand or not, it's not what to make God small or big. And he is before all things. In him, all things consist. And he goes on and on and on and on. He talks about we who were once alienated. Then the final part, he says, we who were alienated, he has now reconciled. In the body of his flesh, that is the death of Christ, through death, to present you holy. That is where our application is important. All these things we are saying about the power of God, about the nature of God, becomes irrelevant if it doesn't translate into our lives being changed and continuing in Lord. The verse 20, give me the verse 23. Who is economical with the scriptures? <laughs> Colossians 1.23 All that we are doing, if we indeed continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You see, people, because people don't have a revelation of who God is, they can easily sway. You are privileged tonight. God has shown us a lot of things about himself. So that at the end of it all, you don't move. One day we don't come and meet you. Doing certain things contrary to the nature of Christ. 
whether his moral nature or spiritual nature, whatever. One day a friend of mine, um, um, Apostle Apostle, told me, there was a guy who was going to church with them many years back. And he heard the guy, he was passing by the guy's house around Dansuman somewhere. and said, let me go and pass and see what this guy is doing. He said he started a church or ministry. And he, when he went, he saw a crowd outside the guy's gate. What's was happening there. I thought he, he thought it was like a funeral or something. He was there with, there was like a clinic type of thing. Then, he, he, he told, told them, Apostle has come. And the guy was in the room. They were delaying. They went in. When he went, this guy has put a big, you know, the old times, you know, the big, multicolored towels. The old, this generation, people don't wear that. Those days, old men used to show that they are in charge of the house by wearing those huge towels, like cloth, by towel. <laughs> and they put it around the waist. And the guy was sitting down like a, and telling people things about themselves. I said, ah, is this what we taught you at our prayer meeting? Stop those things. Stop this thing, telling people dreams and telling and consulting, collecting people's money. You are laughing, but it's true. You will be surprised. You can see a brother, just as I was saying at the beginning, a pastor goes and then they will say, today we are killing sheep and make you a priest. What do you call it? A chief or something. And you will be happy. And think that, oh, this is an honor. It's not an honor. Because those people that are performing, they don't believe in the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They believe in uh, polytheism. They believe in many gods. They believe that many things, God is in the trees, in the oceans, in the forest, everywhere. is in the ancestors. They don't believe fully in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and the name through him and only him. It says, if you continue steadfast, established, immovable, unshakable, that is the essence of what we are talking. We are not talking for theology. Thing. We are talking so that this God, this same God that we know, will serve him to the very end. Grounded, steadfast, not moved away. People will not come and tell you things. About dreams, about visions, about your ancestors, about this. Then your mind is confused. That you are God. Then you believe it. That you are... No! Know that you are not God. God is not a man. God is not a man. You are not God. Don't let anybody... Even if you start seeing visions and dreams and, and revelations, know that you are not God. You cannot be God. I cannot be God. No matter how much God elevates me. Let, and also, as we know the God we serve, that He is sovereign. When he does things that we are even not happy with, we can accept. We have the grace to accept that this is my God. He, he has good plans for me. He will make it all work out. You will not be angry with God. That I said God should help me to pass my exam. I should get this job and having gotten it. So me from, I decide that this is my God or this church or this thing. No. He has it all under control. Say amen. He said God we know we have, he's a God, loving God. He's a long-suffering God. He bears with you. He will not throw you away. He's a merciful God. That's the God we serve. And there are many attributes I can talk about. 
He's a gracious God. We can talk about him. That is the God we serve. The God of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is different from the gods that they are serving out there. May we know this distinction. May we get an increased revelation of this God. So that when we are serving him, see, my, Paul said, I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body. We will serve him with all our might. See, last but not the least, in Colossians, the same Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, when he says that, whatsoever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord, not unto men. Do it, said the Lord, with joy. If you are coming to church, be happy. If you are blessing a brother or sister, be happy. If you are studying, be happy. If you are doing Sunday school, be happy. Anything you are doing, do it with zeal and with joy. Because this God, He will reward you faithfully. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will not disappoint you. David said, I've been young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed bed for bread. That is the God we serve. That is the God we serve. But it's because many times we forget the kind of God we serve. He is faithful. That's his attribute. He will never leave you. It may, he said, when you go through the fire, he will be with you. When you go through water, they will not allow you. Great Isaiah 43, verse 1 to 3. You see it there. He will not let the waters go over you. He will not let the fire consume you. Yes, last night at a prayer meeting, our sister testified from Alisa Hotel how fire engulfed her and she was like Daniel in the modern day. It was a wonderful testimony. Fire burning over and her body was not touched. Hallelujah. May we bow our heads as we pray. Talk to God. If your faith is shaking, ask Him to strengthen your faith. So beautiful to know this God. Bless the Lord with all of your heart. Rejoice that he has saved you through his son. You have come to the great God of glory. We have come to the father of all things. We have come to the God who made all things in the heavens and in the earth. Oh, and he has manifested himself as we heard through his son unto us all. And now we are the beloved of God. Blessed be his name. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. We worship you, Father. It is so glorious. Count yourself blessed tonight. Would you stand for a minute, please? Count yourself blessed tonight. And rejoice that to you he is not mysterious. To you it's been revealed through the Son that he is the ultimate and you know him. Yea, shall we bless this name for a few minutes? Mandebele Kotombo. 
Yea, the God of all things is our Father through His Son. Dambando Oh, Father, we love you. Burushenke seinken, sinkontolo bodenkintaya, melenkulusikilikitandolobo. Oh, let your heart rejoice as you release praises, 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 praises. Zanzazendele, madai saturi makosontolobo. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you, thank you. We've just been informed by your word that knowing this truth, we should continue steadfastly, not being moved. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Brethren, consider shortly, I mean, let me tell you something. Consider shortly how privileged you are. You are the child of the living God. Kandabada. Blessed be your name. Oh, I love you, Father. What a privilege. We are not outcasts. We are not glooming in darkness. The light of life is ours through the sun. He has a relationship with us. There are many people out there. It's unfortunate, but... There's nothing we can do about it. That even in hearing the gospel, they don't understand that they may be converted. Oh, but for us, but for us, the light has been thrown into our hearts. The light that shines in darkness has thrown into our hearts. Oh, please, two more minutes. Blessed be his name. Yes, Lord. We worship you tonight. Thank you, O God. You are great. For many people, you are far away, but unto us. We worship. We worship. We worship you today. And thank you forevermore. We will continue to be steadfast in this truth. We will serve in faith. Oh, we will walk in holiness. For you have set it before us. We bless you forevermore. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tonight, the word of God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the spirit of your word in the mighty name of Jesus.